You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. Happy Friday to all. This is the Locked On NFL podcast. I am at Williamson NFL. We bring you all the local stories every day. The network is booming. And it just so happens I have Philip Pruce on from Locked On Jaguars. And that leads me to something that's a total coincidence. But I've been meaning to tell you all that next week's going to be kind of strange. Because on Tuesday, Philip, I am flying to Jacksonville with my family to go see my best bud. Yeah, my best bud moved there from right out of high school. And he's built a new house. And we're going to do 4th of July on the beach. And so I'm not sure what my programming schedule is going to be next week. Might record one from the hotel, but I'm sure I will not be getting all of you guys five uh, five podcasts because I'll be gone. But, dude, it's great to talk to you. I'll be coming to your hometown. I'm a little worried about the heat. Yeah, we're, we're happy to have you here in God's country. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be uh, – it's been hot. I'm not going to lie, but yeah. uh, it's it's really not that bad. As long as you do get to the beach, you'll get that nice cool breeze. And, uh, you know, it's just a, a beautiful place, especially right now. Yeah, I've been down there a few times, and we love it. Uh, it's been two or three years since we went down and saw my buddy Simps, and can't wait to do that. Be a lot of uh, pool time, a lot of beach time, uh, probably have a beverage or two as well with my bud. So I can't wait. So let's talk Jags, man. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. I've been hard on this team. I actually get a lot of Twitter followers that say things along the lines of, boy, I love the Locked On Alpha podcast, but could Williamson ever say anything good about the Jags? <laughs> and I think that might be a little harsh. I might be getting a little bit uh, too much criticism for that. And my concerns, I'll just throw it out there. My concerns are, I think the passing game wins in today's NFL. And while I absolutely believe that your team upgraded at quarterback, and I think the quarterback coaching um, marriage will be a much better one for the passing game, I still look at the Jags passing game and think it's one of the worst in the league. I can't help but to agree with you, to be honest. And I know I get a lot of flack for it as well, but yeah. it is what it is. Uh, I actually had a buddy visiting in from Richmond this past week. Oh, nice. And yeah, we had this conversation on the beach. Um, and we were just kind of talking about, look, where is Nick Foles going to really end up on you know, that list of starting quarterbacks in the NFL? And I really kind of landed on 23 to 25. Yeah, you know? that's so, right, me too, yeah. Yeah, so like like you said, it, they upgraded with him, but the questions are huge with him in terms of, you know, um, how much did they upgrade? Is he a guy that could carry a team on his back or is simply a guy that can pilot the ship and not make mistakes and, and do some of that stuff? Because that's really what they wanted Blake Bortles to do is they wanted him just to not make mistakes. And that just wasn't in his DNA, no matter how hard he tried, unfortunately. So um, I I don't know if they have an elite quarter. I know they probably don't have an elite quarterback, but most importantly, they have a quarterback that is uh, has never started 16 games in his entire NFL career. So that's uh, something to look for- towards. And to be honest, who is he going to throw the ball to? He doesn't have Zach Ertz or Dallas Goddard or Alshon Jeffrey. You know, he's he's uh, working with Chris Conley, uh, D.D. Westbrook, Keelan Cole, D.J. Chark Jr. is going to his second year on the receivers, and then. For a guy who likes to throw to tight end so much, Josh Oliver, Jeff Swaim aren't necessarily household names. I like the Oliver pick in the third round, but probably for 2020, 2021. I mean, I would be shocked if he come in, comes in as an impact player 
Although, boy, there's not much in front of him, as you kind of mentioned. I mean, it, it does set up well for him. But, I mean, I don't think he's going to be a focal point of the offense or anything like that. I mean, if, if I were to put a chip down for leading receiver, I think I would take D.D. Westbrook. Yeah, that's that seems to be the case right okay. now. And I think they're going to try to get the ball in his hands very quickly. And, you know, a lot of screen stuff, a lot of drag underneath stuff. And uh, kind of just let him be a punt returner on the offense. You know what I mean? And just get the mm-hmm. ball in his hands and try to make things happen after the catch because – um, and it's interesting, right? Because that's not what he did at Oklahoma. He was, no, bas- right. he was basically what Hollywood Brown was, you know, Hollywood Brown basically replaced him as that, uh, Z receiver in, in the offense. So, uh, going deep, you know, I think he had over like 17 yards per catch, uh, when he won the Bolitnikoff, uh, at Oklahoma. So, uh, but t- they just didn't have a quarterback who could, you know, distribute the ball to him long, um, do- doing some of those things with Blake Bortles. And uh, we'll see if Nick Foles, if they could add some of those wrinkles. But I think one of the exciting things uh, that Jaguars fans are looking forward to is uh, this is really going to be Nick Foles' offense. I mean, he has full license to create the playbook. Um, I think uh, I was listening to one of his press conferences, and he said that it's going to be about 60% uh, of what they did in Philadelphia with him and and DiFilippo, and then everything else he's kind of just – uh, figuring out on the fly and seeing what works and uh, how malleable it is to some of the personnel on the team. I think that's good. I mean, I really do, especially with him and Filippo's history. I think that's that they should not have him, you know, round peg into a square hole that existed. Instead, let the other t- people around him adjust to the new quarterback and the scheme. I'm glad you mentioned that with West- Westbrook because... I hope that he's more than just a slot machine. I hope that they do throw him deep balls, maybe even make him a Deshaun Jackson-like guy at times. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to do both. You know what I mean? I mean, right. Deshaun Jackson isn't the same as Julian Edelman. Correct. Yep. So, and, and, and that's the thing, too. I think they're in a pretty good spot with Chris Conley as that kind of ex-guy. There's a good um, buzz about him, isn't there? There is a lot of buzz, and yeah. I've been at every OTA and uh, the the mini camp, and the, boy, you, you could just tell the connection, you know, because the, okay. they have a really good rapport from when Nick Foles was in Kansas City. They became very close and really good friends, and um, they actually had the conversation while in Kansas City that uh, if Nick Foles ever got the opportunity to lead a franchise, that he would, you know, kind of stand for Conley to to be his guy and his receiver. And, and join him wherever that may be. So you could tell that that's very evident. And I think he's fine in that role. He's a very athletic guy, and he's shown really good hands and ability to manipulate his body, kinesthetic sense, and you know, hand dexterity, all that stuff. So um, the other the other guy that's interesting. Real quick, um, I apologize. Could Conley be the number one? I mean, I'm not sure if there is a true number one, but do you think he, he could be the the main lo- target? Yeah, I love this question. I love this question because we actually had an episode on this uh, just that last week, and um, one of the fans asked us who's going to be the number one receiver, and I think the number one receiver is really not, not a thing here in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. I don't because I, I think they're just going to distribute the ball so equally among every everybody. Um, I mean, Nick Foles targets 
the Philadelphia Eagles offense and Nick Foles targeted tight ends 30% of the time. When uh, Blake was the quarterback here, it was almost bottom of the league at like 16.9% of the time. So that's going to be a huge change in emphasis, in my opinion, targeting some of those tight ends, those bigger guys on some of those routes, and then really spreading the love with the receivers. And also, they've been throwing the ball a lot to running backs out of the backfield. So I really think it's going to be one of those things where um, they're just going to try to figure out whoever's open, and Nick Foles is just going to really distribute to what he sees. Yeah, I, I think Fournette is an improving receiver, and I want to talk about that and the running game and the offensive line here in a moment. Uh, but going to take a quick break first. Folks, I tell you this all the time, but do me a favor when you get in your car, um, tell your smart device to play the Locked On NFL. And hey, play the Locked On Jags too. You might as well. It's good stuff as well. We will be back here in a moment. I talked to some people at the Combine, and a lot of them close to the situation said, Fournette's in the doghouse. And my hunch is he's starting to get himself out of the doghouse a little bit. He's hard to trust. He doesn't fit today's NFL extremely well. But he also could be really damn good. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's a <laughs> lot of ability there. And I think he can learn to be a decent receiver. We saw that last year. I mean, he's not going to be David Johnson detaching from the formation. But he's adequate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the thing with Fournette is... He seems to be self-sabotaging. Like you said, it, se- it seemed like everything was on the right path. You know, they had a conversation apparently um, that somehow, I don't know how I even got out in the media that this conversation even happened with upper management, right, to kind of set expectations for the seasons. And it seemed like everything was on the right page. And then he missed a few um, OTA practices. Again, they're voluntary, right? So you can't really say anything to him or, or get in trouble. But mm-hmm. it, for, for a guy like that, it was kind of like – it would have been under it was kind of like an understanding like hey we want you to show up to everything because there's a new offense being installed and um a lot of the a lot of the whispers around here in Jacksonville is like sometimes in the huddle um Blake would have to tell him what to do on specific plays because he was behind a little bit on the playbook and the studying and all that aspect so um, whether it's true or not, I have no idea, but like, if that is something that's even being mentioned or, or surfacing, then you should probably attend, you know, as much as you can, because that way you just mitigate a lot of those concerns. And I thought it was interesting how they kind of attacked the running back position. They let TJ Yeldon walk, who was, uh, you know, not a good influence on, on Leonard Fournette, quite frankly. Uh, if you remember back to the, to the end of last season when they were sitting on the bench um, during that last game, kind of just laughing and joking around, that, was, that wasn't a good look. So all, all of a sudden they bring in Alfred Blue from a division rival, another LSU guy that can help them. Uh, Reichwell Armstead is a no-nonsense guy, very mature guy coming out of college at, at Temple who played basically with like a, a broken ankle this year, you know, and, and tried to show a lot of that competitive toughness, Benny Cunningham, another veteran. So it was interesting to see what type of uh, personalities they added to that running back room. And the biggest name of that is not even a player. It's Terry Rabisky, who was hired. Oh, as wow. I was with Terry with, with the Browns. I didn't realize he was, that's where he was. We were the, we yep. with the Browns together. He was the interim head coach for a few games after Butch Davis got fired. And then we all got fired. <laughs> that's right. So <laughs> He's a good dude. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and and he's another LSU guy, you mm-hmm. know. He's an, and he he played running back at LSU. So you could tell that the he'll be good for Fournette. I can promise you that. 
Exactly. And it, it seems like that's the case already. And he, I mean, he's saying all the right things. He's saying, you know, he, he said a, a couple weeks ago, he said, I don't want to be a piece of the puzzle. I want to be the entire puzzle, you know, stuff like that. So he seems to be refocused uh, in, in that regard. But I would I would have personally loved to see him show up to some of those voluntary stuff um, and OTAs. Again, it's a running back. You know, it's not like it's a it's a quarterback who has to do all these things. But um, and to your point, I think he's actually a very good receiver. He never had to do it at LSU. Um, anytime I see it in like OTA, like going to practice and seeing him do that stuff, he's so fluid catching the ball out of the backfield. It's remarkable. And uh, I think he, if he gets put in positions to do some of those things more consistently, I think he could. that's where he could be really dangerous, right? Because everybody sees him in the backfield. They line up and, and you know, they stuff the box and all that, especially when Blake was behind center. They knew that they could do that because they're probably going to run the football. And even if they don't run the football, that's just not much of a threat with, with the ball in Bortles' hands. So now all of a sudden, you know, maybe Nick Foles just keeps it. Maybe he dumps it off to Fournette on the flat route, you know. So that is one thing. But the other big concern here in Jacksonville, Matt, is that, quite frankly, Nick Foles does a lot of shotgun stuff, and Fournette is not a great runner out of the shotgun historically. Um, That's true. He prefers to run out of the eye. He prefers to have that lead lead fullback. Yeah, and they're not going to have a lead fullback on the roster as of now anyway. Where they had like a Tommy Bohannon last year, they're not really going to do that. So it's going to be interesting to see, and that's kind of what I was saying earlier with the point. Like this is not just the tweak of the offense; this is a complete overhaul. So I, that's why I kind of w- would have liked to see him there, but I'm sure he'll be able to pick up and uh, you know s- see everything once he gets into camp full time. I haven't mentioned this to my audience very often, but it, it, where I'm looking like in fantasy drafts. I bet Fournette ends up on my team quite a bit. I can see him having a very productive year, more catches than ever, but those ankles. I mean, I'm sure that he makes you guys crazy. I mean, I I don't know that he's a 16-game player any year. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I would think Jags fans should be hoping that Armstead takes over the number two backup handcuff role. I hope so, yeah. That'd be great, right? Yeah. That would be be phenomenal because, you know— you know how the NFL works. Leonard Fournette's going to his third year, and then there's, you know, fourth year after that. It would be great to be able to find a diamond in the rough and someone who could at least replicate some of that production for, uh, you know, a fifth round pick salary for the next four years. That would be a, a good flexibility moving forward mm-hmm. in terms of roster construction. But just for this year, Rykel Armstead is another guy at Temple who really didn't have to catch the ball a lot. But when I'm watching him in practice and doing all this stuff, He's absolutely dominant, you know, catching the balls out of the backfield, really soft hands um, and, and doing some of that stuff. So I think that's really was kind of the logic and thought process behind that right call Armstead pick is that they really wanted somebody. If Fournette does go down last year was the hamstring, right? It, it could always be something else. If he does miss any amount of time to have a guy like that come in and not have to change a lot in terms of what they're asking that first runner to do. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's Fournette, but Fournette and Armstead are both big backs, physical downhill guys, but both are a lot faster than most people might realize, too. I mean, they get rolling. They can take it the distance. Trust me, my Steelers saw Fournette do that, obviously. Um, I'm sure you're aware of this. I'm not sure the audience is, but I think besides the Redskins, 
Jacksonville's offense was the most injured in the league last year. So, they, yeah. yeah, I mean, and so you mix that with all the other problems. It's bound to be better on that side of the ball. Um, again, I mean, the passing game still worries me, but there is some optimism in that regard. Better quarterback. You go from a D-level quarterback to a C-plus, B-minus quarterback. Better scheme, better health. And I think the line's going to be better. I mean, Linder, Robinson, maybe Jawan Taylor's the player that a lot of people thought he was coming out. I think the line could be pretty good. Norwell? Yes, and uh, I'm glad you brought that point up because 2017, when they went on that deep run all the way to the AFC Championship game and the referees ruined them with calling Miles Jack down, um, they were incredibly healthy. That Like, incredibly healthy. It was almost, like, weird, you know? Um, And... For every ying, there's a yang, right? So 2018 comes around, and they were just as equally unhealthy. And you saw the entire starting offensive line go down except for A.J. Can. And I think that's a big reason why A.J. Can got re-signed, um, because he was a, a free agent going into this most recent offseason. I think that's a big reason that he did come back. He's not, he's not you know, an earth-shattering player by any stretch of the imagination, but he's never missed the game. You know, and, and Stability, Doug, yeah. Yeah, Doug Marone loves that kind of uh, reliability and consistency and uh, durability in, in a lot of his linemen. So Cam Robinson's coming off that ACL. He hasn't really been practicing yet. So that's kind of like an asterisk. I'm kind of watching to see how he goes. And then Andrew Norwell, he also was, uh, he had a uh, ankle that just lingered throughout the entire year last year. Um, so he, we're hoping that, you know, he comes back because he was playing at an all pro level when uh, in his final year at Carolina before he joined as a uh, as a free agent, and Brandon Linder is one of the most underrated centers in the league, quite frankly. Oh, um, I agree. Yeah. Pro Football Focus loves him. Like every single time you see the grade for Linder after every game, it's just through the roof. You know, they have him as like a top five guy at the position in in the league consistently. And then I know a guy that they really like, and uh, ne- never worked out his way when he was in Cincinnati as a first round pick. But Cedric Obehi, um I forgot they picked him up. Yeah. He really has a shot to at least compete um, to be that week one starter at right tackle. I know they probably want Jawan Taylor to take that, right? That would be the ideal situation for or a second round pick. But even if Jawan Taylor does win that job, to have a guy like that, that at least has starting experience in the league, all of a sudden could be your swing tackle at left or right tackle or could fill in while Cam Robinson, if he's a little bit behind on that rehab from the ACL um, for, for a few weeks, I think that that'll go a long way because the problem with Jacksonville is not, not only their first string offensive line getting hurt, but then it went to the Josh Wells and, you know, some of the backups. And then all of a sudden you could, you can get by getting, you know, starting your second guy that you had on the roster. But once you're going to your third and fourth guy, like Josh Walker, who's not even on a team right now, having to play left tackle and he's not even a tackle, he's a guard. That's when you're in deep trouble, you know, and then you add that to Blake Bortles and everything else. And it's just a, a Molotov cocktail of ineptitude. <laughs> it was. I mean, you're absolutely <laughs> right. It has to be better. Um, folks, today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com, as I did for my Jacksonville trip coming up. And get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. All right, we are back, and I want to talk a little bit about the defense. I don't think the defense is as topical as the offense. I mean, there's a lot of changes. Uh, rightfully, there's not many changes on defense. It's one of the best in the league. Um, but I don't think enough people are talking about the 
the loss, the sitting out of Telvin Smith. I mean, that's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's one of those. Why? I don't have any insight why. And it's just the weird thing that happens for me is like you'll get a guy like Jalen Ramsey, you know, and he says that he's he talks to Telvin Smith every day and like he wishes everybody leaves him alone and all that stuff. And then but then you'll get Calais Campbell talking and he will drop a little nugget like basically alluding to, well, I'm still hoping maybe he'll, you know, come back and change oh, his right. mind and do, okay. do all that. Yeah. So it just seems to be like the the fact that it isn't addressed outright almost does no favors for Telvin because now it leaves everything open to speculation and what it could be and all that stuff. So, um, then but his teammates to be honest, have to answer for him too, you know, like exactly, exactly. You, you think Miles Jack wants to talk about Telvin Smith, who's not there. You know what I mean? Like people exactly. hate that, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and people forget that Telvin Smith is the leading tackler in the NFL across the last five seasons combined. You know, if you, oh, you accumulate all those tackles, you know, that's a lot of production. Like you mentioned, that's out the door now, all of a sudden. So all now, like overnight, Miles Jack becomes pretty much the most important defender in this back, you know, in this defensive 11, if you think about it, because you it's have like Leon. the guy you can't lose now. Yeah, and we just right. had a we just had this uh, as a topic uh, just in today's uh, episode of Locked On Jaguars. Uh, myself and my co-host Tony Wiggins, we talked about the one player the team could least afford to lose this year, and that has to be Miles Jack because you have a second-year player who was a seventh-round pick uh, in last year's draft. Leon Jacobs, you know, slated to start at the strong side linebacker, and now all of a sudden it's between Ramik Wilson, who was a journeyman linebacker. And Quincy Williams, who was that surprise third-round pick, you know, at the bottom of that third-round pick that kind of raised a lot of eyebrows for Murray State, that's not a lot of experience, you know, uh, around Miles Jack, who is still a young player himself. He's only in his second year becoming that, you know, starting strong uh, middle linebacker in this defense. So a lot all of a sudden falls on his shoulders, and we'll see what happens. But um, Quincy Williams is a really interesting guy. I think uh, he's... He's a guy that fits very well with where the game is changing and evolving to right now. Like you mentioned, Matt, Athlete, a lot of the yeah. passing game stuff. And, you know, he might be he, he is short. He's quite short seeing him in person. He's like around five foot ten, um, probably around 230 pounds. But people forget how kind of slight Telvin Smith was. He was a tall guy, six three. But man, I, I, I would I would be shocked if Telvin Smith was playing a pound over 210 last year. To be to be well, honest, that even though he's listed yeah. higher, yeah, yeah that, that happens. Um, exactly. We know this defensive front is really good. Clay's Campbell's a star. I think Nadakwe is basically a star as well. It's a little crazy though that not just do they add Josh Allen, but Taven Bryan. I mean, it's two first round picks in a row. Were you in favor of the Allen pick? Was he just too good to pass up that late? I mean, I was shocked he was still there. And what do you expect out of him and Brian in this season? I mean, two more highly, highly athletic, talented dudes. Yeah, so t when they selected Taven Bryan, I wasn't a huge fan of it. Um, mm -hmm. And then I think it kind of compounded because they started playing him at that strong side defensive end spot because I think they were really planning on making Taven the heir apparent to Calais Campbell. And it was just a lot to handle. And I I, I was there when uh, Jason Rebrovich was talking to one of the uh, local uh, media guys from The Athletic here, Daniel Popper, and he was just saying how, uh, I guess, difficult that strong side defensive end position is in their scheme. 
and how many different ways they can go just based off the body language of the guy blocking against them. Mm. Whereas the three technique in that in that defense is basically just kind of like a one trick pony. You know, you just yeah. you just attack, you know, and hit the gap and do all that stuff. So right around week 13, week 14, they kind of uh, gave up on the Taven Bryan strong side end experience and moved him back to the three technique. And I think all of a sudden. Um, Malik Jackson was the guy in trouble who's now in Philadelphia and uh, Taven Bryan all of a sudden it looked like the light was starting to come on a little bit he got his first sack towards the end of the season and he was starting to get a lot of penetration um, and doing some of that stuff so I think second year in the system now at a position he's more comfortable at that really was his position at Florida um, I think that will go a long way for him in terms of Josh Allen real quick before we get to Allen I just want to throw this out there because someone I trust a great deal told me about Brian last year, right before he got picked, leading up to the draft, he said, Matt, he is J.J. Watt that got a lobotomy. Like, just let him him do one thing, you know? Right. And so that makes a lot of sense to make him the three technique instead of a read and react field player, you know, just go sick him. Yeah, yeah, he had such a tough time just finding the ball, and you could see it. Like, even... Even if he beats his guy right away, there seems to be like a little lag, you know, like the recognition uh, it, and yeah, exactly. So and 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 the good news is that stuff can you can improve on with more experience, right? And you can sure. coach that stuff and look at the film stuff. You can't get mu- at this point in your career, you can't all of a sudden become much faster, stronger, quicker. Um, and he has all those physical attributes in droves. So that's the good thing. The, the things that he needs to improve on can be improved on dramatically, you know, through just, you know, film review and, and all that stuff. So, um, but Josh Allen and any anybody that follows me knows that I was very much on the Dwayne Haskins, even, yeah, even with Nick that. Foles, even with Nick Foles to just take Dwayne Haskins. Um, if he fell to number seven, because all of a sudden you got a backup at four and a half million dollar salary, which is a pretty good, you know, number for oh, a backup yeah. quarterback in today's NFL. You could just sit him for, you know, a couple years like he did at Ohio State and just let him learn under Foles. And right around the time he's ready is really when Foles' contract starts to become an issue. So then you have flexibility in team building in the future. And you have that guy, Nick Foles, who could kind of take over and keep the window open now. Um, but you know, they, they obviously went in a different direction, but I'm I'm glad that if they were going in a different direction, I'm glad that direction was Josh Allen because I think he's a very good player and I was very surprised that he fell to number seven and I think the team was too. I don't think they had any kind of, uh, you know, when they did all their mock drafts internally and did all that stuff, I don't think they really saw a lot of scenarios where Josh Allen fell to them. So that was a relatively easy selection. And it's it's Tom Coughlin, right? You, you saw the same stuff with the New York Giants when he was just continually reinvesting in that defensive line with Justin Tuck and Matthias Kiwanuka and Osu Minora and all those guys um, and, and continue to make that strength the strength. So... Now the question becomes is how much does the Josh Allen selection impact Yannick Ngakwe's contract situation? Mm, you know, yeah. he's in the holdout now. Do they feel like they have more leverage now in those talks because they have potentially a guy that they selected in the top 10 who can mimic some of that production coming off the edge? Um, I think that they need to find any way they possibly can to bring in Gakwe back because he's kind of like Linder, one of the more underrated players at his position in the NFL. I don't think it's talked quite enough about. But, uh, you know, I think Josh Allen could could be a huge addition to this team. He just needs to get on the field because he hasn't been able to practice yet. He's had a little bit of a knee bruise. 
Yeah, and, and I, I hear you on Haskins for sure. I mean, I think that would have been a good scheme fit, a good long-term situation. Taking a quarterback is usually a good idea for cap reasons, like you mentioned, and, and shortens right. down the road. However, our first segment talking about the receivers, I would have been a lot more cheery if it was TJ Hawkinson. Mm, yeah, and I, I, know, I know, Matt, that that was a guy that was very much – in the discussion and in consideration and quite frankly could have been the selection were it not for Josh Allen falling. Um, I don't think I'm breaking any, anything there. I, right. I think our GM, Dave Caldwell even mentioned that that was without saying that would be the pick, you know, kind of reading between the lines um, of, of what he was saying is that would pr- most likely be uh, the candidate, but uh, you know, they the would be there, you know, like none of us did. I'm right, sure. Right. Right. Makes perfect so, sense. But they, they ended up with Josh Oliver, who, I mean, just looking at him, he's, he's like an athletic werewolf. He's he's <laughs> built the right way for today's NFL, you know, especially um, at that wide tight end, that, that receiving tight end. And uh, he just needs to polish up his blocking a little bit. I know they've been working with him a lot on that, you know, technique and all that stuff. But he has the, he has the uh, body to do it because he's a big kid. And more importantly, Matt, he has the willingness and enthusiasm to do it, which is really half the battle when it comes to doing some of that stuff. Yeah, that is exciting. I do like that pick, too. Um, Philip, you're the man. This was a blast. Absolutely have to have you on again before the season. There's a lot to talk about here. You do a great job on Locked on Jaguars. Um, Can you tell people where else they can find you on Twitter and whatnot? Yeah, my Twitter is at JacksonPhil. That's J-A-X-O-N-F-I-L. My co-host is uh, Tony Wiggins, and he's at ShopTalkingWig. Yeah, we're uh, we're going to be ramping up a lot of content here and trying to get a lot more guests onto the show in the month of July. So we're looking forward to it as football season ramps up. But uh, uh, make sure you catch me on Twitter. I, I do most of my stuff there. I'll write for Big Cat Country as well to do some of the written stuff. And then uh, another exciting time is because I'm also a part of the Optimum Scouting staff with the XFL showcases right now and moving up into, you know, the XFL ramping up uh, with, with some of those things. That's another exciting time right now. So make sure you guys follow along. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, folks, I, will, I might try to sneak one in over the weekend because I am leaving Tuesday. Maybe we'll do a Twitter show. We haven't done that in a while. Um, but over and out. Thanks so much. We will talk to you as soon as I can. Bye.